Hi! Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talked to Brady Oliveira, Blue Bomber running back, who took the Grey Cup into a school today. How did the kids like it? Also, Pat Newfeld of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers re-signs for one year. We talked to Kelly Moore about his decision to do that. And finally, Jeff Braun and I watch and review Cool Runnings in the replay booth. That's all on the podcast. All right, we're joined on the line by Grey Cup champion, Brady Oliveira. Brady, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Running back for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. How did you spend your day today? Oh, it was definitely a jam-packed, eventful day. I'll tell you that. Uh, you know, I was able, I was honored to have the Grey Cup with me all day. So, uh, you know, I went and toured around some schools. I went to four different schools today. Uh, so you already know how those kids were acting, and it was uh, it was definitely uh, really busy, but I enjoyed every minute of it. Is it a big thrill to see the faces of the kids light up when they see that trophy? Unreal, man. You know, for moments like this, this is why I play the game of football, and to really, you know, impact the youth. You know, the youth are our future, right? So, um, you know, being able just to, yeah, to get them to hold the cup, even just touch it and just see, you know, the the shine in their eyes and the big smiles in their faces and just how, you know, me being at one school for about over, just over an hour, how much I really meant to them, right? So it was definitely an amazing day today. And that's one of the trickle-down effects of winning a, a title for the city for the first time in almost three decades is that kids growing up now get to see the trophy in their schools. Exactly, exactly. And it was, uh, you know, there's lots of teachers Obviously, like the students, teachers that were there, you know, they, they remember when they won it back when it was 29 years ago, right? So now these kids are able to, you know, take their picture with the Grey Cup today and, and, you know, years down the road tell their kids, you know, that they were able to, you know, take a picture of the Grey Cup and hopefully that, you know, the city, you know, the great organization that we got with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers that we keep on, uh, you know, bringing championships to the city. How much pride do you have being from here and able to win the Grey Cup you know, it means uh, it means I think a lot more to you know us hometown guys personally than all the other guys, just because you know we're from here, right? We are, we've been in these communities, we've worked in these communities, and this city just means so much to us. And um, yeah, personally, it's been it's been so surreal, man. I remember going to games at the old stadium as a little kid, and now I'm here living on my dream, playing for my hometown team, and it, it is it is unreal. And but this is what the city needed. Winnipeg really needed this, and I couldn't be more happier that I was a part of this uh, 2019 Grey Cup team. And and you know what? I think we should do it again next year and go back-to-back. What do you think about that? I'm sure the city would very much approve of that, Brady, for sure. Now, take me back. Oh, to, we're going to oh, keep, yeah. keep moving back here. Let's go to the Grey Cup parade and the celebration at the Forks when uh, each Winnipegger kind of got called up to the front. There was you, Nick Dembski, Andrew Harris, uh, Thomas Miles. Uh, there's a long list of of impact players that are local products. What was that day like for you? Uh, I just I just got the chills right now. It's, uh, it was it was crazy. There were so many people that were, were filled in the streets downtown Winnipeg, and you know, being on the back of a truck and waving the flag in the air and hearing people chant your name and just all the love that they showed us all year, and not, not even just this year, but throughout the years. Uh, you know, me personally growing up, going to games, there were always the loudest fans in the CFL and always great supporters. So, you know, it's about time that we won this great cup for the, 
for not only the city but all the fans. And uh, but that that parade was something special. Uh, seeing all the people there and yeah, being up on the stage up there and and uh, just man, it, it was it's so hard to describe. It was just it was an unreal moment. And I, and I just want to thank every each and every person out there that has supported us local guys here and uh, and really do believe in us and. You know, it makes us work that much more harder because, you know, we want to put the city on our back and, and win championships like we did. So, Talking with Blue Bomber running back Brady Oliveira on the sports show. Now, you injured, you were hurt uh, very early back in June. You needed surgery. Your season was done. I, there's a great finish to the season. Obviously, you win the Great Cup, but I I would imagine it was also a bit of a frustrating experience too, not being able to play during all this. Oh yeah, of course. You know, obviously, you know, playing in the the first game of the season and coming back for the home opener and the first play going and I got hurt. Obviously, you know, never the the way I would have imagined my rookie year to start. But you know, I'm a firm believer that you know everything does happen for a reason. And whenever you do, whenever you go through adversity, you know, I've been through lots of adversity in my life, and look where I came at now. You know, so I'm a firm believer that whatever you go through, you know, you're gonna come out of it stronger. So. That was meant to happen, and you know, me being a, obviously a professional athlete and obviously extremely super competitive, um, you know, being sidelined for that long obviously hurt. It hurt me uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, everything. And I had a lot of downtime after I got surgery to be by myself. I had great people in my corner supporting me, and I had uh, yeah, lots of time to just uh, grow as an individual. And I think you know, being sidelined for that long, and then being able to you know, seeing all the guys and being down there for the Grey Cup week and all that, I'll tell you this right now, that all that made me a thousand times more hungry for this offseason, and this will be the biggest offseason of my life, and uh, and I just I can't wait to attack it. I've already I've already started to attack it full, uh, full speed, and I can't wait to see what next season has in store for me, because I know it's going to be something special. So just to make sure you're 100% healthy now? Yeah, yeah. So actually, uh, I was practicing the last couple of weeks of the season there with the guys, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm running the ball just like I was day one of camp when I stepped into that into that locker room. So you know, I'm all, I'm all good. My ankle's good, and I'm ready to go for next season. Being a fellow running back from the city of Winnipeg, what was it like seeing Andrew Harris just take over the Grey Cup? Yeah, it was unreal. Obviously, you know, I've known Andrew for quite some time now. Obviously, the connection that you know me. Him and I, and also Nick Dempsey, have you know obviously gone to the same high school. We all went to Oak, Oak Park Products, and then you know I've, I've trained with Andrew at, at Elite Performance when that was open for years. So uh, him and I go go back, and yeah, you know I think him and I have uh, uh, lots of uh, similar uh, similarities in our game. And uh, yeah, you know it was just it was great seeing him put on that show, and uh, also him being a Winnipeg guy, and and uh, the age that he's getting into his career, playing for Winnipeg for the last. You know, five, six seasons, whatever it's been. He he really wanted to bring a great cup back to the city, and and he worked his butt off, and uh, and yeah, he made it happen. So with a great performance like that, there's uh, no way that we we shouldn't have won that game. So, so what is I guess next for you? You said you're going to attack this off season uh, with as much vigor as you possibly can. Uh, what is your goal for 2020? Yeah, you know, my my goal is to. You know, just attack it like I did when I first came in. I, I think I had, you know, one of the best training camps of my life this uh, rookie year, and uh, and I proved that. That's why there was some plans for me, right? But of course, the injury happened. But I'm gonna attack the next uh, this off season uh, extremely hard, and next training camp, like 
you know, just like I did last training camp. Every training camp is going to be my best one. And, uh, and yeah, you know, I want to help my team and contribute any way possible. You know, being sidelined for that long this season obviously hurt, and I, I just want to be out there any way possible and helping out. Obviously, you know, if I get my touches, that's great. But whatever that my, whatever my role is, I'm going to accept. But I know that I can definitely – uh, help uh, this organization win football games. I know that for a fact. So is this like the Stanley Cup where you get your one day with the cup? How does it work? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, obviously with us hometown guys being here, and uh, so it's actually pretty pretty available. You kind of just got to, you know, uh, ask the people at front office to see if we can take it out. And, uh, you know, usually if it's, if it's for us uh, to take it in the community, you know, they're, they're pretty cool with it. But uh, all the guys can, you know, get a few days if we wanted to be, uh, want, want for it to be at our house or something and hang out with the family with a great cup. So I had it last night at my house and, and obviously had it all day today and took it to a bunch of schools, which was something special. So did you sleep with it last night? Where was it? <laughs> actually, it was, uh, it was funny. So actually, uh, I slept at my mom's last night because I wanted to surprise with the great cup. So I, I got there pretty late. I got there at about midnight. She was already sleeping. Uh, so I set the great cup on the stand, and I put it up there. So as soon as she walked out of the room, it was, uh, it was like right by by my room. And uh, I it was right right by me. So she saw it as soon as she walked out of her room. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a nice little surprise for her. <laughs> So any any more plans with the cup then? Yeah, yeah, I definitely, you know, I'm I'm a big uh I, I just love to give back, you know. I, I like to make others better and I and I want to I want to get the great cup out in the community as much as as we can and uh I just let people see it, let people take pictures with it, let people hold it and I think that's the most important thing and I think that will, you know, make this organization better. So, uh I still, you know, I got some plans. Uh, we're taking it to Oak Park on the 20th of December. Uh I want to take it to a few more other schools that have reached out to me, and uh, I think I'm, I want to also take it to West Broadway out, Outreach Group, uh, which is obviously on uh, on Broadway there. And uh, I did some work with them this uh, this season, and going in there volunteering, helping kids out. It's an after school program, so there's definitely a few other places that I want to take it. Um, so yeah, whoever's listening listening to this, if uh, you got some type of community work or charity that you want to see the Great Cup at, feel free to reach out to me, and I would love to bring it by. Well, Brady, you're doing great work bringing out the Cup to the community. It's fantastic. Uh, continued success, and we'll check in with you as you get ready for the 2020 season. Thanks. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Winnipeg Blue Bombers today announced the club has agreed to terms with veteran offensive lineman Pat Newfeld on a one-year extension, turning 31 on Boxing Day entering his 10th CFL season in 2020. And earlier today, our Kelly Moore caught up with Pat. Patrick, uh, usually you're the first to re-sign with a football club in the offseason. Mercy Maston beat you this year, though. What's up with that? Yeah, I know. He just, uh, I guess he got the uh, the jump on me this year. But, um, you know, I'm just so excited to be part of the Blue and Gold again. And after the year we had, it was a no-brainer wanting to come back. And uh, um, it's just been such a tremendous place to play. And you know, under leadership from Wade Miller and, and, and Kyle Walters and obviously our head coach Michael Shea, it's, it's just uh, been a phenomenal place to play. Was it your choice, Pat, to just take this kind of a year at a time uh, now? Or what was the, the idea behind signing for just the one year? Yeah, it was just kind of, you know, the way negotiations work with, with my agent, with Kyle, with, with the team. And, um, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously comfortable going with the one-year deal and, and, uh, you know, just happy that I, I got it done so quickly and kind of allows the team to, you know, take a little more time at free agency. So, 
um, for me, it was just it was an easy contract to sign, and and uh, like I said, I was I was happy it was done so quickly. Yeah, I was uh, looking over the uh, the list of free agents. Uh, uh, yourself and Drew Desjardins are under contract, but there's a few other starters to get signed there. So I uh, I don't know. Do you do you do any recruiting now that you're under contract? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, when you get a team that wins the Grey Cup, you want to try and keep that that group together. And and I think after you you know, kind of the team has gone through the things we've gone through in the past and we finally get to the pinnacle and win it. Guys see all the, the hard work and, and what it takes to get there. And, you know, I think it's going to be an easier sell to keep guys around. So um, I'll be definitely messaging guys and, uh, you know, hopefully that helps out. How good was that offensive line last year, Pat? And I ask that because you started the year missing three really big pieces in uh, Matthias Gosen, Suk Chung, and yourself. And yet that line was still able to operate at high efficiency and really seemed to take off. And not just because I'm talking to you now, but really seemed to take off when you returned. Um, you know, I think it, 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 it kind of has been a process to get our group to where we're at. You know, it started when Coach Wiley came in a couple of years ago. And then um, when we hired Coach Costello to come in, Marty kept that same standard and, and he kept emphasizing to keep that standard that has been built over time. So, kind of anyone, anyone who's new or young has came into our offensive line room to kind of see pretty quickly how, how high of a level of play we have. And, you know, it's that kind of accountability issue where we want to make sure we're not letting our teammates down, especially within the offensive line group. So there is kind of that pressure to perform, um, especially within our group, because you see it on tape how well we've played over the years and guys want to adhere to that standard. So, um, you know, Marty does a great job of, keeping us uh keeping us at that high level making sure we're not getting complacent and um you know we just trust each other and we love playing football with each other and and uh it really is a brotherhood i mean we're, we're the kind of group that we you know we do suppers every week and we try and watch as much film together as we can and just so we so we all feel comfortable and we really have that trust for one another you know you had mentioned that you'd like to keep change minimal in the off season. Uh, but you are going to have a new offensive coordinator for sure with Paul LaPolice moving on to Ottawa as their new head coach. Will that change much for you guys, Pat, at all? Um, you know what? I, I don't think so. Um, you know, I trust in, in, in Coach O'Shea and in him and who he's going to have as our offensive coordinator. You know, I, I don't know yet. I, and, uh, you know, I, I don't see us changing too much. That's just my personal opinion. Um, I, just like I said, I don't think when – when a team wins a great cup that you want to go in and shake things up too much. So, um, you know, I'm really confident who we'll bring in and, and just excited for, uh, for what's going to happen for this upcoming year. From a personal preference, Pat, and, or, or you can extend this to the entire O-line, but what is more satisfying, helping a guy like Andrew Harris win another rushing title or keeping the quarterback sacks to a minimum? That is, a, uh, that is probably the ultimate offensive line question. Um, you know, we take so much pride in both those things. Um, I think, you know, it, it's it's probably, it's so close to being 50-50, but it is pretty cool having Andrew getting that rushing title again, especially in a league where it's predominantly a throwing league. So, um, you know, we, we definitely take pride in both those things. And, and uh, you know, I think you saw how well we ran the ball, but I think in that last kind of stretch, the last couple months of the season, we did a really great job of protecting the quarterback and, and letting the quarterback throw the ball down the field and, you know, have time for those second and third reads. Okay, let me uh, couch the question to you this way then, Patrick Newfeld. Who provides the better rewards, Andrew Harris or Matt Nichols? I think that's got to be a toss-up. You know, I can't, uh, 
I can't pick one or the other. They've been so great, so great to us. And, uh, you know, we kind of try and try and stay out of the limelight. We do the dirty work for those guys, but, uh, in their own way, they both do some, uh, some tremendous things for our group. Oh, so boy. I can't, I'm going to go with the, uh, the easy, the easy way out and say it's a 50, 50. Yeah. You're, you're going to be a great politician in your next career, man. <laughs> hey, uh, just before we let you go here, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Pat, uh, have you come down off the Grey Cup high yet, or is this something you want to savor for just a little while longer? Um, you know, I think it's it's starting to finally sink in. Um, but, it, you know, it's still kind of you wake up every morning, and you're like, man, we finally did it. Like, this was a group that finally got the job done. And um, it, it's it's still that great feeling, and uh, it's a feeling that we're going to chase all off season, and, and you use collectively us to motivate in, in training and kind of our off-season regiments to get us ready for this year. So um, I don't know if we'll ever really come down from it, from it until next year, but it's definitely going to be a motivating factor. This might be the shortest movie we've done in our Replay Booth series. A cool 98 minutes. That's pretty good. For Cool Runnings. A That's Disney nice. movie from 1993 starring... Nobody and John Candy. Yeah, that's true. And it was it was definitely have been one of John Candy's last performances because he died in '94. It was released on October of '93. It was the final movie released with him in it while he was alive. Oh, and then he had a couple more came out afterwards that he'd already shot, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's, yeah, that that's kind of sad. But just watching it, I didn't know what year exactly it was. Oh, and it was after '88. But mm-hmm. looking at it, it was like, oh, he looks older and like a little bit just he always sort of looked the same but because yeah. he died young but he, he he's 45 like, oh he's pretty close to the end there yeah so cool runnings everyone knows it's about the jamaican bobsled team even if you've never seen the movie which i hadn't until this it's one of the greatest premises in the history of movies everyone knows about it and you just have to say it's the, the ultimate, jamaican bobsled team and people are like oh i get it the ultimate fish out of water scenario absolutely you've got these people from a warm climate and they're gonna go where it's cold wow psychomat what you smoking? I'm not smoking. I'm breathing. What's the matter? You guys cold? It's not so much the uh, heat, it's the humidity that will kill you. Anytime it's happened since where you've got some country participating in something that they're not supposed to be, it's yeah. compared to Cool Runnings. There you go. And it's a true story. Ish. Ish. There was a Jamaican bobsled team in the yeah. 88 Olympics. This movie is more or less just based on the idea of that. Did the they have an old faulty sled that had a loose nut that... Took one of the runners off it? No. The, yeah. So the the crash that ends up happening, the actual team did crash, but it was because they're just going too fast and lost control. Okay. I there wasn't sure. Was, yeah, when I saw that happening, I was like, yeah. oh, is that actually what happened? But so it's set in Jamaica all- in 87. There's some world-class sprinters that kind of get all their feet all tangled up in a Olympic trial. And, oh, no, they're not going to go that, to the Olympics now. That, I mean, there's the democratic way to determine your Olympic athletes, but that's... I agreed with, I was like, run the race again. Like, that guy was their best runner. Mm-hmm. It's like, I get so, like that sometimes with Canada when it comes to curling. Okay. It's like, okay, somebody has a hot week at the Olympic trials. We all know they're not the best team in the country. So, well, you know what I mean? But what are you supposed to do? Yeah. And then they go to the thing and win bronze, and, if anything. And so, oh no, we, we're not going to the Olympics now. What are we going to do? Hey, my dad knew this bobsledder. Maybe we could go bobsledding, and it's John Candy, just a degenerate gambler now, yeah. in a bar in Jamaica. In a Disney style. Of course, he's just yelling at a horse on a radio. <laughs> Come on! That's it! Good tumbleweed! Good tumbleweed! Tumbleweed is slowing! No tumbleweed! No! Bad 
tumbleweeds. What are you doing? <laughs> and eventually they break down his walls and get him to coach them, and no one wants to do it, and they end up getting the three sprinters that got tangled up, and then one of their friends who's like a push cart champion. Sanka. Sanka, who's somehow keeps up physically with three Olympic sprinters. He's the comic relief played by Dougie. Dougie Doug E. Doug. Dougie Doug, yeah. Yes. He's a comedian. Okay. He's very funny. Okay. So they go to Calgary, and everyone hates them because they're different, and then Whoa. eventually they do okay, and they almost medal, and then they wipe out, and in the end people still clap for them, and that's that's cool running. Is racism at the Olympics a real problem like this? So like, Don't you think when people show up at the Olympics – those athletes tend to be like, "Hey, we're all we're happy so, that we're all here," you know. So in reality, that's exactly what happened. Okay. So that, in the real 1988 Olympics, they were all, everyone was welcoming of them. Yeah. They, their people were giving them advice. Someone lent them an old cart so they didn't have to buy one. Because the reality of is of it is that when these guys have three months' notice and practice on wheels on a dirt hill. There's just no way that they're Real actually going, like something that appears to be 100 years old. That they're actually going to be competitive for medals at this thing. Yeah, it's, the way it all happens is obviously so ridiculous yeah. and hard to suspend disbelief. But you have to because it's a Disney movie and it's 98 minutes and it's fun. And they're, they are very endearing characters. Oh, they're very endearing. Yeah, you're right about Super that. Super endearing. And it's a good friendship movie because none of them, two of them are friends, but the other two aren't. With either of them, and they all come together not only as a team but as friends. So the four characters, one of them is like the good, you know, normal sprinter. The other one is who runs uh, everywhere. Who by runs the way. everywhere? That guy doesn't walk no. once in this movie. He runs to wherever. He's There's going. the daddy's boy who tripped the other two during the race. The rich who, kid who's is really rich, but is kind of under the spell of his father. There's the big meathead guy who's really mad at the other guy for tripping them. Yul Brenner. Yul Brenner, who hates them but eventually comes to love him and inspire him yeah. and be proud of his heritage, and then there's Sanka, who's just wacky. Sanka! You dead? Yeah, man. Sanka Coffee, by the way. His last name is Coffee. I guess Sanka's like an actual Must popular coffee brand. Name. Okay, a couple of things. Okay. Uh, the rich kid's dad yeah. has shows up at the... like He's like, you gotta quit this. You gotta quit this. Fine. He doesn't quit it. He goes to the Olympics. Shows up in Calgary. You're coming home with me. Like, after they qualified already. It's like, has there ever been a, an angry parent like that at the Olympics? Like, at that point, you just gotta be like... Well, I guess we'll watch it. And the then race. a week later, or, or I don't know, probably fewer days than a week later, he's <laughs> there with the Jamaican bobsled t-shirt. I have a huge problem with the TV announcers. Where are, they're, just they're, they're just openly cheering for Jamaica. Why not? Because they, they knew they, they were going to They say why not. But yeah. come, and those are actual announcers, but come on. The, well, I didn't understand that timeline either. That It just seemed like. Yeah, it's not. It's not actually how it okay. works. Uh, okay, that's good. Uh, it looked good when they were actually the qualifying race. That looked amazing. Well, like, it looked like a re- real plain Jane kind of Disney. They movie. used actual footage from actual bobsledders for that. Yeah, and it, but I'm just saying, as for as movie wise, as far as it goes, it looked really. And the good. crash footage was actual. The, the crash footage from that the I real believe. Jamaican bobsled that team. That's the th- other thing too. For all the silliness that this movie provides. It is just worth it for that ending. That is like a top three sports movie ending really? of all time. Them carrying that the thing, sled and the cl- and slow I clap. burst into tears as soon as they, people clear the way and they stand up and they carrying their really? sled and they cross lines. Like, I was like, oh. I love it. That was amazing. I wrote down, gradual acceptance. Huzzah. Because <laughs> that's when everyone saw, eventually just, realized, oh, wait, they're actually. Maybe because I saw now. it when I was a kid or whatever when it came out sure. as a teenager. But I've always just loved that that ending. I think that's, and that's, you know, that's. What sports movies are all about is doesn't really matter. If the you pride win or not. of country that comes through in this movie is obviously powerful. Yeah, 
Well, John Candy's speech to the sledding alliance, or whatever, when he said the guys, overarching, not actually real winter sports alliance, yeah, yeah, whatever. where he's like, these guys just want to compete for the country. Like that was that was the stirring speech of the movie. Hell, it doesn't matter if they come in first or fiftieth. Those guys have earned the right to represent their country. They've earned the right to march into that stadium and wave their nation's flag. That's the single greatest honor an athlete could ever have. Not so much as his uh, funny take on the Lord's Prayer before they got in the slit, which was actually funny. It was a pretty funny movie, too. It's very entertaining. And like you said, yeah. it's fast, and it goes by quite and quick. You, and I love how there was one swear in it. One singular swear. And it, and it was... Not necessary. No, and it was a pretty rough swear for the one to be in a Disney yeah. movie, too. Like, like that was aggressive and angry. It know? was the bad <laughs> word for butthole. Let's just yeah, say that. Exactly. But none of these actors, by the way, are from Jamaica. They're all American. Yeah. So these are all accents. Uh, for me, the most bittersweet part of it was just seeing John Candy kind of in his last movie, but being in Canada in the cold. Yeah, I like the Calgary of it all. That was cool. Yeah, and it's, it was actually Calgary, and they sure. shot it, you know, a couple years later. It was They shot it in... 93. It was a really quick timeline. They shot it in February, March of 93. It released it in October of 93. Well, they didn't have a whole lot of special effects that they had to add. It was no, they simple. used just a lot of real footage. Yeah. And apparently there was a lot of, it was like years to get this script off the ground. I wonder what the budget was. So it, there was some stuff seemed cheap. Like when they, Far, near the beginning, when, 14 they're, million. when they're trying to get their funding and they're getting, the guy's getting laughed at by every banker in yeah. Jamaica, they're all in the same office. Oh, yeah. That's slightly redressed. It looked, I was like, wow, at least... And it's not even a real office. It's just a blank wall yeah. that they pushed on the same desk. Against. So the budget was $14 million, but it grossed $155 million oh, it was worldwide. A huge. It was a big deal. Enormous when this money maker. When this movie came out, I remember that very clearly. And it's, it was a Braun family favorite because yeah. it was something we could all watch yeah. and everyone enjoyed. If there was, and knowing the way the Olympics work, if something like this happened, it's a media spectacle. It's not everyone hates them. And they're no. just on their own. People are leaving them alone. No, they'd be surrounded the whole time by media, fans, all that, because they're a novelty item. The bully from the others, Bob, was that, was it from Finland? East lo- Germany? I don't know. It was I, from it Europe. It seemed like it was Germany, but it looked like Finnish colors. Anyways, okay. I was like, yeah, did they not specify what country that was? I'm not sure. I thought I wasn't paying attention, because I was like, whatever country this guy's from, they're not going to like how they're represented in this movie. Cause I, don't, I think they were generic about it. That is a cartoon villain right there. And then, and that's what, the only thing I didn't like about the ending was that guy's, right. uh, where redemption. he comes around. Yeah, yeah, the redemption where he does, but he does that slow clap. Yeah, he starts the slow and clap. Just staring at them with his steely blue yeah. eyes and gets everyone into it. The bar brawl, though, that was, that's I enjoyed funny. that. Come on, Jamaica. Say something. No problem, Thank a darn oh, to do the line dancing. Me, Missy. Uh, he just dives right into yeah, the funny. brawl. Uh, just before we go, just how this compares to reality, uh, super loosely based on the 88, like the the lead up to it is not at all how it happened. Someone told Disney, hey, they had an Olympic uh, bobsled team from Jamaica, and they're like, hey, that's crazy. Write a movie about it. Don't well, look actually, it Actually, someone else, a different studio bought the rights, and it bounced around a bunch of times until it ended up at Disney. Yeah, people didn't hate them. Uh, the way it actually works, it's two runs. For uh, one day and then two runs the next day. Oh, they did one So it's four total runs. They wiped out on the fourth run. They finished dead last in 88. But they also had a two-man entry that did not come last. Oh, I was wondering about that. And there were other Caribbean nations in that two-man. They came back in subsequent Olympics. And in fact, in 1994, finished 14th. That's probably They beat the USA. They beat Russia. They beat France. (laughs) So maybe doing about the 94 games. I don't know. No kidding. So that ended up being good. But in the end, I thought this was... Really fun, and it was short, which is, makes it more fun. But I, I think it was a, 
an easy watch and a good family flick. And it uh, fits in well with us because we just had Olympic news this week with Russia. Yeah. And uh, it's freezing cold right now. Yes. <laughs> so what's your rating? I will give this seven Rasta hats out of ten. I'll give mine 7.6 egg kisses out of 10. <laughs> Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?